Welcome to the Western New York Entrepreneur Podcast, helping Western New York entrepreneurs take the next step in their business. If you love Western New York and entrepreneurship, this is the podcast for you. Whether you have been in business for 20 years or 20 minutes, there is something for everyone. David Schaub interviews the top entrepreneurs in Western New York so you can take your next step in your own business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. We appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, before I dive into today's guest, which we have a good one today, um, I want to talk to you about our next networking event. Our RSVPs are officially live to the public. So as you're listening to this, there might be some tickets left. Um, so we have a boat dock networking event on September 14th. It's a Wednesday. It's our last outdoor weather event of the year. So if you want to catch some last rays, maybe a last, you know, a uh, good weather event here in Buffalo, probably. We sh- you should probably grab your ticket. It's on our website at wnyentrepreneur.com. And if there's any tickets left, you can grab one. Um, and if you missed out, no worries. You should probably become a member because members always get first dibs on our tickets um, before they ever go open to the public. So um, if you haven't grabbed a ticket and you want to network, you want to build relationships with uh, some gen- with uh with some general business owners and entrepreneurs here in Western New York. Check it out. So back to our guest, Dan. We have Dan Fugelwitz. Uh, Dan is actually the owner and founder of RDTNE Technologies, LLC, right here in Western New York, born and raised Western New Yorker. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I appreciate your time, man. It was really great meeting you a few weeks ago, hearing your story. So I know it's going to be a good one. So for those who don't know what you do, where you've come from, what your journey has been, if you don't mind, spill the beans. So where, what has gotten you to where you are today? What's gotten you to really becoming the entrepreneur that you are today? Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm a lifelong Buffalonian, Western New Yorker, and um, love the area and always wanted to have a company of my own, not so much to, for that control. Some people want the control. Some people want the power. I just thought it's a good thing to be able to control your own destiny a little bit. And if you can employ people, because what better thing can you do for the public is to employ people and give them a good living. So um, went to UB a few times, started off as an electrical engineer and uh, started working at a company called Joy Manufacturing which became Cooper Industries, which became many other companies. Um, They're just a shell of their former self. Learned a lot there though, Uh, had some great mentors. Uh, I did real-time compressor control systems, which is sort of a dry thing for most people. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, We were controlling compressors up to 10,000 horsepower, uh, mostly plant air compressors. Did that for a number of years. Uh, Then I went on to a company called Kistler Instrument, where we did laboratory grade sensors, data acquisition systems, focused mostly on biomechanical systems there. Uh, that was great, it was a Swiss company, got to travel to Switzerland a couple times, um, learned a lot there, a lot of great people there too. Great people throughout Western New York, actually. Um, you know, life goes on, you move on to other things, I worked for a company called Ultrascan for a while. They made fingerprint scanners, and that was a great job. 
uh, had a great uh, boss there, John Schneider. He's another local entrepreneur who's done very well for himself. Um, then I went to a company many people might still remember called Kalsban. They're still in business. Um, Kalsban was the place to be back in the 70s and 80s. I got there in the 90s, stayed there for my longest tenure of 15 years and did all kinds of cool research. Did research for the FBI, research for the Department of Transportation, uh, two different groups there. Um, that's where I got exposed to something called telematics, which is the communication of data from vehicles. And we were focusing mostly on heavy trucks. And then my career went on. I spent a little time at Moog doing uh, actuators for uh, rocket nozzles for a NASA program. Uh, that was great. Great people there, too. That's a great company. Everybody knows Moog. Um, went back to CalSpan for a little bit. Uh, they downsized a little bit. I was a sort of a victim of that, let's say. Uh, went to work for UB directly for a while, uh, helping them write some proposals. Uh, I was working in the earthquake center there. Very cool place. Lots of cool research there. Um, and then I started moving more into the entrepreneurial. Before that, I was always just, you know, an employee of a larger company. Um, but after UB, I started working for a company called XRS in Minnesota. Uh, I got to do that remotely. I uh, had a remote, not, not exactly remotely, I guess. We had five people here in Buffalo. We had a team in um, Oakville, Ontario, and headquarters was Minnesota. Um, that was really nice. Um, little side note on weather, Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis, their weather has nothing over Buffalo. Uh, they pick on Buffalo. Everybody picks on Buffalo. Minnesota can be 100 degrees in the summer and minus 30 in the winter. And it's the most humid place I've ever been to other than like Louisiana. Um, so Buffalo weather is pretty cool. Uh, we should appreciate what we have. Um, when I was at XRS, I helped the company turn around and we actually got the company sold. They were bought out by a large company called Omnitrax. Um, and I noticed there, and I, and I was a, a, a director level person there, um, the advantages of working for smaller companies who are purchased and or a startup. So um, sort of got me the, the bug more to look for startups. When XRS was bought, I was again, the victim of a layoff because I was a middle manager. Large companies like to do that when they acquire companies. So then I actually started working for a small company called Keep Trucking and they're located in San Francisco. And they're actually a unicorn now. Uh, when I started there, I was around employee 20 or so. We were pre-revenue. They had no embedded hardware. Embedded is uh, electronic systems that have processors in them that really don't have a human interface uh, or much of one. And that's my specialty. So we uh, developed telematic systems for heavy trucks and um, making a long story short, in less than three years, the company went from around 25 employees or so to over 1,500 employees. And a couple months after I left, they were valued at over $1 billion. Um, and so I saw firsthand being involved with all the employees, what it's like for a company to go through this unicorn thing. Um, I didn't realize at the time how special that company was. It just assumed that any startup can do that. 
Um, I've been at several startups since then. And now I'm seeing that just like people, there's a big variety in startups. Um, startups can be very energetic, uh, have the right people at the right time with the right product, with the right market. And that's sort of what propelled Keep Trucking. I mean, they, they're good people and they're smart, but they had a good opportunity and they took advantage of that opportunity. Um, other startups I've been at, they're struggling a little bit more. They may not have the right chemistry um, or, or or actually the, the breadth of experience that you need to go forward um, because you need a lot of experience in a lot of different areas to go forward. Um, and right now um, I'm sort of in between gigs, um, looking uh, at connecting with some other startups. I definitely wanna be with a startup. Um, it's more energy, it's a lot more fun. Uh, I think it's better camaraderie and they, they're not in their own way. Uh, usually in a startup. Um, they can make decisions quickly and act quickly. And that's cool. Yeah. So what what really sparked you to like start your own company versus just going to work for another one? Are you, did you just kind of get sick of it over, over time? So when I worked for UB for, for about a year, um, they could only hire me for four days because they had uh, restrictions on, on job hiring. So they told me then... Um, we only want you for four days a week. You have an extra day. Why don't you consult? So I decided, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Um, so I formed an LLC, uh, LegalZoom, real cheap, easy to do. And uh, I did start consulting on the side. And that's how I actually ended up working uh, for XRS is uh, I started consulting for them. And then they just made me a full-time offer that just made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So I still have my consultancy. It's over 10 years old. And I always will have it um, because it lets me bridge between major jobs. Because mm -hmm. uh, I prefer being an employee. I like being an employee. It's, mm -hmm. You're more of a team. When you're a consultant, um, you're sort of a hired gun. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're not really brought into the fold. Mm -hmm. um, I like the feeling of being an integral part of a team. So I use the consultancy in between, you know, major jobs. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll get a full-time gigs with another company soon. And depending on, on the terms of things, I might go and become an employee of theirs again, or I might just do it through my consultancy. <clears throat> At this point, you know, do you, so you, so you actually prefer the employee route, huh? I do, um, and again, it's because I think you're more of a team member. Mm -hmm. Now, if I wanted to grow my consultancy, that would make it a little bit different feeling for me because I would have employees. Mm -hmm. um, to, I don't really want to grow a consultancy. Um, that's, I would rather focus on one thing and then go all the way end to end, design it, build it, sell it, You know, be involved in all the aspects. Um, at this point, I'd rather work with really smart people who have great ideas, but don't know how to get everything done. Mm -hmm. And they can rely on people with the right experience to help them out. I, I get, it's more rewarding to me to help others than to try to spearhead things by myself. Right, right. And I think it's so important to know, to know yourself as an entrepreneur, as, as a human being, to even be happy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether you're a business owner or not, I, I still think that's so important. It sounds like you're kind of like me. You're a builder, not a sustainer. Uh, but, right. you know, but uh, I do want to get to some questions for the sake of time. 
You know, given your given your experience, uh, Dan, uh, what are some of the similarities and differences you've seen be- between these companies? Because you've worked for a lot of them. So what are some similarities and differences and, and what can we take from them and what can our, our, our entrepreneurial uh, audience learn from that? So um, I think that when you're looking at companies, the similarities are um, large companies anyway, seems to have a lot of inertia. What I mean by that is when you try to change their direction or change their thought, it's really hard for them to do that. They're so set in their ways. Um, A lot of times it's like, oh, this is a new idea. I don't want to do it. It's going to be hard. Um, So, you know, that's one thing. Uh, In smaller companies, they're a lot more mobile and fluid. And I think uh, that gives them a definite advantage. But in the smaller companies, um, like I was saying, where where Keep Trucking was unique and a a unicorn, where they had all the tools that they needed, a lot of small companies need extra tools to get their job done. Um, And sometimes they just don't realize it or they're too proud or they're trying to save some money by not investing in a good uh, consultant um, or another employee who just has the thing that they need. That's really important in a startup. Like you need to make sure you have all of the weapons you need to execute quickly because that's the world we live in now. Um, Everything is moving so quick. If you're not quick, you're gonna lose out to somebody who else is quicker. Now, for those that are worried about, you know, I guess to the capital to, to hire another employee, you know, that's kind of like a double-edged sword, at least I feel like it is, right? So, so is there some formula that you kind of tell them or what do you, what do, you do? I, that's a good question. And you're right. It's, you know, you might know you need, it, need help. But how do you get the help? Um, help comes in many ways. Um, I've advised companies for free. Uh, when it's casual and just, you know, a minimal amount of my time, I'm more than happy to make somebody successful here because that overall success in Western New York, it it picks everybody up. You know, if we help people um, help themselves, it helps the community. Um, The other thing though, is uh, you can work out all kinds of deals. Um, You know, you could work for equity. Um, You could work uh, with a sort of a clause saying that you get paid later. Um, it, it, you know, if the consultant or the, the, the expert that they're trying to engage is flexible enough, you usually can work out a deal. So people should be open to, it's not just money. Are you overwhelmed with the endless lists of marketing tasks that face your business? You know your marketing needs to be done and done well, but you don't have the time or resources to do it on your own. That's where Allison Kelly Design can help. Allison Kelly Design is a full-scale marketing agency that helps you build a brand that speaks to your value. We offer everything your business needs to hit the ground running and maximize your revenue, including brand development services, graphic and web design, search engine optimization, Google Ads management, email marketing, and social media content creation and management. Book a free discovery call at A L Y S O N. K-E-L-L-Y design.com or call us at 716-249-0993. Allison Kelly Design. Build a brand that speaks to your value. Next question, so we can dive right in here. 
what was your favorite type of company to work with? I think I, I know the answer to that, but I want I want to hear from you. Yeah, it's well, there's two. Uh, so Keep Trucking was really, really fun because it was a unicorn and it you know, became a billion dollar company. Um, on the other hand, uh, Kistler Instrument was also one of my favorite. Um, and they did, you know, laboratory grade sensors and data acquisition systems. That was my favorite because we were building uh, biomechanics systems that help diagnose diseases and, um, and would help people be healthier and, you know, go through, uh, this was focusing on like a orthopedic surgeon surgery and, and physical therapy. And if I could make a system that lets people walk more easily or just be mobile in any other way more easily, it was a good feeling. Uh, it was also very super scientific, a lot of details. And, and that's what I love. I love data, data analysis, and, and I couldn't get enough of that there. Yeah. So one thing that I, I pride myself in, I guess you would say, is I love asking good questions. I really love, I think that, and, I, and in fact, I wrote this before I even recorded this um, down. I want to make sure I read it so I'm saying it right. So often I believe in order to find the right answers we're truly seeking in life or business, we need to ask the right questions and often the right questions to the right people. Uh, you know, sometimes we ask good questions, but the person answering it, we should ask somebody else. So my question is, what questions do you think people should be asking in business right now? Um, yeah, and that's that's a that's a whole podcast in of itself. Um, but I think um, the questions you want to ask, like maybe you're maybe from, another way from to my engineering it. from my engineering perspective, I'll keep it there. Okay. Like if you're having a if you're developing a product, you have to ask questions like, do I really understand what the customer really wants? It's not what you want as a developer. It's what the customer wants or what they need, you know, what your users want, what your, the people are going to be spending their money on. Um, and then if it's something that you're going to have to build that's physical, are you really ready? Do you have the right design? Can you get those parts? Do you know how you're going to get it built? Do you know how much it's really going to cost? Because it's not just the cost of the parts. Uh, do you know how you're going to support it? Um, you know, and you know how are you going to do the literature? Like, you really have to do an end-to-end. -end, you know, what's your online presence going to be to support this? Are you going to sell it online? Um, are you going to have distributors? All those kinds of questions. Have to, it's a lot of questions. So it's, you really should make a question list. And it's probably could Google it and find a list like that and just answer those honestly to yourself. And then if you say yes to 90% of those, maybe you're ready. Where do you feel like most startups get stuck? Do you think it's because like, and I, I'll leave it open-ended because I have so many thoughts like, is it this, is it that? But I'll just leave it open-ended so I, I get your answer. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of startups will get stuck on the details. You know, they do 80% of everything. Um, but if you're not done, you're not done. Do you think it's, it's analysis of, by paralysis for a lot of people? Uh, it's analysis paralysis, or they just don't, uh, it could be that they don't know that they're not 100%. They really has to go with a lot of those questions that we're asking ourselves. Um, and then um, some people say, well, 80% is good enough. I mean, it's a passing grade in school. Um, <laughs> yeah. But 
you know, that's actually a B, right? So it's like, oh, good. Um, but in, in business, if you're not at 100%, when you start running into the problems uh, because you don't have good customer support, if the product isn't right, or if we have bugs, that's going to bog you down severely and slow you down so much so that you could fail. So you have to make sure you're ready. Mm. Now, since this is a Western New York entrepreneur podcast, uh, you were talking about that. So do you think there's something in, um, in Western New York that Buffalo needs that is an opportunity that you're seeing that has been untapped or something, or maybe you're hoping someone comes along and invents this or starts this up because Western New York needs it, or there's a lack of it, anything that kind of comes to mind at all? Um, yeah, a couple of things. Um, so Western New York, I mean, we're traditionally very conservative works, workplace. Um, my father was blue collar. All my friends' families were blue collar, you know, were hardworking families. Uh, they tend to also be conservative. So it's hard for them to step out and become an entrepreneur or, you know, walk into a startup. I think um, people should have more of an open mind with being involved in a startup and you take a chance, take an educated chance you know just don't walk into it blindly but if it makes sense then you could try it and the worst that can happen is you have to find another job but there's jobs around and pe people who are smart and, and and have good experience good capabilities they're gonna they're do fine uh, I think what Buffalo needs uh, because I've been exposed to what's in San Francisco and San Francisco is Silicon Valley uh, they have so much money they don't know what to do with it you can just say, I have an idea for an anti-gravity machine and people will throw millions of dollars at you. And that's an impossibility. Mm -hmm. um, in Buffalo, it's very hard to get money for startups. Uh, and then, you know, when somebody cuts you a check for $25,000, they think that they're giving you the world and $25,000 is nothing. Yeah. You have to get, you have to get, you know, millions of dollars into good startups. Um, and then you'll really see, Western New York take off. But I see a lot of that happening now. In the last five years, the startup culture is changing. I think more VCs are interested in Western New York. Um, Western New York is starting to be recognized now as a sort of a, another hotbed of startups. Yeah, no, that, that's so good. And um, in, in our, you know, our conversation from a couple of weeks ago, uh, I heard that you're an investor in um, uh, the Hopross house. <laughs> what got you involved in that? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Hopper House Buffalo. Um, so uh, I went to Hopper House when I was 16. That was a couple years ago and uh, part of the German club at Lancaster High School and was a great experience. And, uh, you know, years and years and years later, I read in the Buffalo News that Hopper House is, you know, delayed again. And at the end of the article, it says potential investors, please contact. So I did. And, um, you know, the managing partner was a great guy. The other workers there were great. So uh, I took a chance, yeah. educated risk, um, because I know what Hopper houses are like. I've also been to the one in Vegas. Yeah. Um, and it worked out really well. And for anybody who's not been there, um, check it out. You know, check out their Facebook. If, if you like what you see there, then, then go visit them. It's a great time. Yeah, I love it. You know, so I'm German as well. So uh, it's, you know, it's as close as you're ever going to get to the to the real Oktoberfest party. Yeah, um, it's, it's as real as you're ever going to get. It's a great time, especially if you like uh, German beer. Um, so is there anything that we're not talking about, Dan, that you're just like, again, you want a microphone to the startup world here in Western New York, or maybe 
sometimes, you know, you always want to, you always, you ever look at, and you're just like, want to grab some, like, stop doing this or start doing this. And I know you mentioned before about um, people maybe shying away from experience. They feel like they maybe, you don't know what you don't know, or, you know, I remember I was talking about something like that before um, a couple of weeks ago. Anything kind of sticks out to you? Yeah, it, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's stating the obvious. You don't know what you don't know. Um, and um, it seems like the more experience you get, the more you realize that you really don't know everything. And, and you're not so proud to, to admit that to yourself. Um, one of my favorite sayings to people is my definition of experience. And that is knowing what not to do again. And what that means is I've made my share of mistakes. Um, you only make mistakes when you actually do things. If you don't do anything, you're going to have a perfect record. Um, it's okay to make mistakes, but learn from those mistakes. That's really the point, knowing what not to do again. So I made my mistakes. I try not to make those again. And I try to convey to others when I see them potentially making a mistake, I try to give them my experience and say, well, this is what's happened with me is, you know, and take it for what you will. And, um, so I think for people, uh, don't be afraid to ask questions, question yourself, make sure it makes sense to you. And then rely upon mentors and experts and bounce your ideas off of them. I mean, people in general always want to help. Mm-hmm. So for those that are there that want to get into paid consulting or want to get a consultant, how do they know? So it's a double-edged question. So I'm not sure if it's fair to ask this way. So two questions. How do you become a paid consultant? Right. And I remember you and I talked about as well about how to get on the boards because that's something that's really interesting. And, but also if someone's paying for a consultant or paying for someone's experience, what should they be looking for specifically? So they know they have the right person or they're paying the right person or they've been paying the right amount. I know that's a lot, but you can take it where you want to take it from. Yeah. So the first part, you know, becoming a consultant, I think um, you should start considering becoming a consultant when you think you have more expertise in an area than the average person. If you're just, think you have like the average amount, you're not ready yet. Mm-hmm. When you're an expert level, then you can think about it. And for myself, I really don't advertise uh, because I just have a good network. And um, either I'll reach out to my network and say, hey, do you need some help here or there? Or do you know anybody who needs help? Um, or people just contact me and say, hey, you know, Dan, you helped this company, you know, I'm doing this. Uh, can you help us out? So. Um, for me, it works out great uh, being a one-person consultancy. Um, if you're a consulting group, it's a little bit harder, and then you you have to make sure those people are getting paid all the time, and you know it's a little bit more stressful. Um, when you're looking for a consultant, um, that's a little bit tougher. Uh, may, I don't know if it's a personality flaw on my side, but I'm very trusting. And I just believe people for face value. Uh, I think in over all my years of, of life experience, it's worked out well for me. So I'm going to tend to stay that way. But just do a little background check or, or ask for a reference. What other companies have they consulted for? Or what are some good examples, tangible examples of work products that they've worked on? So me being an electronics engineer, I can show them the boards. I can describe how they work. Um, you can get a feel for that if that person is is uh, giving you some BS or do they really know what they're talking about? Yeah. Last question, Dan. 
So when people are looking to get into a startup or create something that involves electronics, that's like, this is your niche, right? So I do want to ask something in that. Is there something that you think most people don't realize that maybe there's a cost side to things or uh, it's trickier than, than you think or something that you think people should just know when they're getting into a startup that involves electronics or sensors or things that, that you're niched in? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I run into this a little bit is uh, you can design electronics pretty easily. And there's a lot of people, you know, doing sort of like your own home projects. But when you go to actually build it, there are actually federal regulations you have to watch out for. Uh, FCC is one uh, agency you have to watch out for. You, you have to make sure you don't emit noise, electronic noise, uh, to interfere with other products. That They're very strict on that. You have to go through those uh, hoops, and they're not always easy. The other one, if it's something that plugs in or has a higher voltage, then UL becomes uh, relevant. So you have to be very careful that you build something that's going to be safe. And usually you want to get it tested to make sure that it is going to be safe for um, people to use. And the other thing is that people don't usually uh, realize how difficult electronics manufacturing can be if you're not careful. You can pick parts that are hard to get. The supply chain now is all messed up because of COVID. It's going to be messed up for another year or two. And everybody can see that because you can't buy new cars because there's electronic chip shortage. Actually, it's a chip shortage that's preventing cars from being built. Mm -hmm. um, so when you design electronics, don't use the same parts that they use in cars. You won't, <laughs> be able to, you won't be able to get those parts because the automotive get, uh, guys get those parts first. Um, and then uh, even finding the, the right contract manufacturer to build it, making sure you can support it, making sure it's solid. Uh, again, all those questions, like the prepared questions, your preparedness questions have to be answered correctly. Okay. That was good. Because I, 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 I don't know what I don't know. And uh, <laughs> so, and I think it's good for you to know that. So I'm like, I probably should ask that question for those who are listening to this. They're like, why isn't he answering a question about that? Uh, so then that being said, man, for those who just want to ask a question that, again, that I didn't think about or want to connect with you because they're like, well, this guy is perfect to ask a question for this. Um, you know, so what is the best way for people to contact you, Dan, that you feel comfortable? Uh, I think the best way for me would be just to um, send me an email um, and, um, you know, and I'll probably respond to 95% of them, especially if they praise this podcast. Um, <laughs> um, and then I imagine that um, online, you'll put my email address, um, you know, in the verbiage. Um, so they get it from there. If I can, I'll say it out loud, but it's only letters. It's it's no names or anything. So it's my initials, D-P-F, and it's at R-D-T-N-E.com. Cool. And we'll put that in uh, your bio when we do that so people can do that so they're not trying to crash, trying to write this down if they're if they're driving or um, or doing something of that nature. Dan, okay. I really appreciate your time today, man. Thanks uh, for, for, uh, for telling us your story and and I think is sharing a very unique wisdom because you're in a very niched area. And I think that's so cool. And I think that's so smart in, in, in a world that it's really smart to niche down now. And um, I just appreciate your time, Dan. Oh, I appreciate you having me. And I hope uh, your, your listeners learned a little something today. If you loved listening to the Western New York Entrepreneurs Podcast and want more, subscribe to it and head on over to wnyentrepreneur.com for articles, what's coming up next, 
and to get involved. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.